welcome back everyone to another episode of the morning after podcast i am your host adam liam and today i have someone who has become my best friend over i'd say honestly the last year someone i haven't known a super long time but we've come really really close over the last five months or so i'd say can always turn to her makes me laugh makes me giggle if i'm looking to have some fun maybe a few drinks can always turn to her and she will always push me and support me on my bad decisions even though she knows they're bad anyways for the people in the back hit up for them more than one time sally lamb is joining us today and we will be having a little bit of a spicy conversation but i will pass it off to her to give it a little introduction on herself here as well thank you adam for that introduction honestly <laughs> I'm so glad that you use those words to describe me. That literally describes our relationship so well to a T. Um, but my name is Sally Lamb, and I am a fourth year marketing management student at the Ted Rogers School of Management. Um, I minor in finance, and I'm really into content creation, marketing, uh, social media marketing, um, and I've been helping Adam with uh, his graphics for this podcast, which I've been having a blast doing. Yeah. If, if you haven't seen yet, the bottom of every single caption on every single post is pretty much at Sally because she's created every single graphic. I, I'll like create a rough idea or have no idea. And then I send it to Sally and I get a brand new graphic that I get mm -hmm. to post. <laughs> so huge shout out to her. I mean, she's uh, I'm paying her very, very well. <laughs> very well sally do you like your salary yeah this uh i can pretty much buy uh a free walk on the street with this salary mm -hmm. you know i supply her uh, with love friendship and air air <laughs> i think it, i think it's pretty valuable i think it's a valuable pay yeah okay. i see a lot of value in that oh yeah anyways <laughs> today's topic is going to be different for both of us because it's kind of going to go against ever not our value, but against kind of like the nature of who we kind of are. So today's topic is actually going to be about our inability to open up to other individuals, specifically like the people around us, like even our friends, our family, um, we just, we have a, a hard time with it. And I'll, I'll pass it off to Sally just to explain a little bit from her side of like, what it is for her. And then I'll talk about kind of what it means to me. And then we'll go into it a little bit deeper. But what do you think, like, how would you describe your inability to open up? I think for me, um, because of my childhood, I think I see, I've seen relationships as very temporary or um, only for a short period of time because uh, things kept on changing, friendships grow, they, they uh, mature. And I think for me, because I already have that mindset of it's going to be temporary, I kind of automatically filter what I say, filter my emotions and actions. And that has really prevented my ability to be like affectionate, my ability to kind of open up and trust people. And I think that's hindered my friendships to grow a little deeper than the surface level um of course there's also there's always like it kind of stems from what i've experienced within my household within like my my culture in terms of showing affection to people um i am chinese and traditional chinese 
there's not a lot of emotion, not a lot of talking about how you feel, talking about your your difficulties and your struggles. And um, that kind of reflected on my friendships in school. And that's why right now, even right now, it, it's it's so hard to open up to people and kind of develop that close knit relationship where I can be vulnerable to people. I want to ask you something quickly because you said a lot of things kept changing or you you put this mindset because things continue to change that it's going to be temporary. So for the, for the now, just like leave it surface. When you say things kept changing, I know you said friendships, et cetera. Like a lot of people, you gain friends, you lose friends. It's, it happens. But was there like something specific? Like I know you switched schools, if I'm not mistaken, like you switch high schools, right? Yes. So I used to go to school in Markham and I think since a young age within that elementary school, um, people saw me in a certain light that I was not and is not and was not what I wanted to be seen. And I think that that viewpoint that people kind of formed of me um, affected the relationships I can build within that that school and then when I moved on to high school it was like to say people from your elementary school or within your area so again like building friendships was so much harder because people had that pre uh conception or like yeah. pre-idea of what you were and then once I switched over to a new school I think that's when I kind of got a fresh start on who I can kind of be to these people and I think because I had so much trust issues or like such bad friendship experiences, I kind of fell into like a people pleasing um, scenario or like scenario. a whole. Yeah. And that wasn't the authentic me or like the true me. Yeah. And because I wasn't really being who I am. And since I'm in this new situation with like new people, I, didn't know who I can trust, who I can kind of um, tell them about my past and tell them about my experiences. So a lot of that, those friendships and those conversations were very casual, very surface level. And I think that also happened when I transitioned to university. Um, But I think university was where the change in my mindset kind of started. Mm-hmm. because at that point, you know, like petty drama, whatever kind of grew out of that, that phase and people were a lot more understanding. And I think I felt more um, safe and I met these people who are so genuine that kind of um, inspired me to be more genuine and inspired me to be more open. Mm-hmm. I think that's when I, really kind of opened up a little more than I was before. I guess I can kind of relate to you. I mean, for me, obviously like elementary schools, we switch. You, you have like that set high school you're supposed to go to. I went to one. I wasn't necessarily, not that I wasn't supposed to go to it. It was just, I went to Catholic elementary school, decided to go to a public high school because it was 30 seconds from my house instead of like a 10 minute mm-hmm. bus ride. And Obviously, like I left a lot of people. I think I 
there was like three or four of us from my elementary school who initially went to my high school and then a fifth person came. And the people I'm still like closest with from elementary school, like live my best friend since when we were like three and four, we all went to elementary school together. Right. But I totally get that, that temporary mindset because I think I noticed it going into high school because I had like a super fresh start. I mean, literally like no one knew who I was mm-hmm. besides like very few people who I'd known before who I knew who went to a few other elementary schools from sports, other friends, whatnot. After high school, I, again, same thing, went to university where no one pretty much from my high school went to Ryerson whatsoever. There was two of us who went to TRSM. I don't really talk to the other person, never really knew them. And I think there was like two other people who go to Ryerson or three other people. And I, I didn't even know two of them went to Ryerson until like two months ago when I see it in their bio or something. I'm like, whoa, okay. Didn't know that. And that temporary mindset, I, I, I definitely get that. But for me, it was weird because I feel like as a kid, I was very trusting mm-hmm. and I had no issue explaining or telling people how I felt, my view, whatever. I, I had no issue hiding it, no issue hiding my emotions whatsoever. And I think over the course of time, knowing that it, things are kind of temporary, uh, I, I got the same view where why open myself up and put myself in a vulnerable place to either be hurt by someone, be hurt by them leaving or me leaving them, or just the fact that why tell someone how I'm feeling or my view or what's wrong when like realistically, like they're not going to be there for the rest of my life anyways. Right. Like I developed this like stone yeah. cold that atmosphere, not atmosphere like this, this view where I feel like everyone sees me as cold now mm-hmm. because I, I don't like share emotion. I don't show emotion as much as I used to. And I feel like that to me is like the idea of like not being able to open up is not necessarily like a lack of trust. Like I trust people, but it's the temporary view. And the fact that if I open myself up anyways, like I'm going to be seen in a different way. And maybe the way I'm seen now, maybe it's not the best thing, but it, it can't be worse, right? Like just leave it the way it is because if it ain't broken, don't fix it, but it kind of is a little broken. So I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean, obviously yeah. like it stems from somewhere mm-hmm. and it, it there's like an initial spark, right? There's, there's something that like really pushed you over the edge to become this, this, way of seeing things and do you have like or can you recall a specific moment that really that began that point of not being able to open up i actually can um because i see it as a very traumatic experience and it was like when i was in grade one like i was literally a kid and there was this girl in my class who started a really bad rumor about me and that made everyone in in our grade have this this misconception of who I am and that kind of affected um the rest of elementary school and because of that I felt really scared to kind of reach out to people because I wasn't sure if they had that same 
point of view as this girl, or if they are someone with an open mind and willing to to kind of look past the rumor and kind of get to know me for who I am. And I'd say around like grade five or six, that's when I truly got a chance to make friends. And I think for me at that point, when I was actually in a friend group or a friend uh, relationship, mm-hmm. I opened up to people and then they kind of excluded me from the group. And then I kind of got cut out and it felt horrible, obviously, because mm-hmm. I finally felt like I was fitting in and I felt like I had people there for me. I had people to go on cool adventures, celebrate birthday parties. But then um, when that relationship ended, I just felt a lot of hurt and sadness. And I think that motivated me to kind of stay more closed off and kind of protect myself from ever feeling that again. And um, that's probably what also kind of stemmed like my, my individual, like staying by myself or like rather doing things individually, Um, having like one off friends or two like people who are friends, one on one, or like, having a small group of friends of like two people, like, I I think that's why I, I can't do big groups of friends, because I would just feel excluded or like it, I, I just wouldn't feel safe enough to open up to people because then you never know where that group will go because there's so many different opinions changing opinions changing people's lives are changing and you don't know where you stand in their lives or in their in their life and that's probably one of the earliest experiences for me of um feeling that that having those walls up for me would you say it was more like a feeling of opening and then feeling you got burned so it was was like as soon as you got to that point where you felt safe you got hurt built up a little bit of a wall then it happened again just kept getting bigger and yours was like kind of just it grew larger and larger from that young age Mm -hmm. I mean starting that young to like getting burned that early or not getting burnt, like, you know, like getting, getting hurt that early on is definitely a negative effect. I mean, like everyone kind of, I, I mean, my perspective, I feel like everyone had like a bully at one point, right. Or got mm-hmm. bullied or, or felt that, especially as a kid, at elementary school, I feel like everyone at some point got that. But personally, I feel like girls are like, girls are mean because yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like me and my friends, whatever, guys burn each other, we make fun of each other, we joke around, and eventually, like, you can just get over it. Most of us, right? Not all of us, but I feel like, especially young girls, high school, elementary school, like, y'all are just, y'all are mean, and... They're ruthless. (laughs) I couldn't imagine going through some of the stuff, like, I heard, I would hear, like, some of the stuff from my sister or, like, other girls when they would tell me, and I'd be like... You put two guys, I feel like, in a room together and you'll find some stuff you like, you'll find some stuff you don't like. But I feel like if you put two girls in a room together, like 
they're going to talk fine, but I feel like they learn to like make fun of the other person in their head or like, you know, I don't know. I don't know how to explain like, it. Like automatically have assumptions or, or judgments. I mean, the person you're always going to have that. And I, like, no matter who it is, like you're always going to assume mm-hmm. things or like judge someone in your head. But I feel like girls are just way more vocal about it. Like I could think something and not tell anyone, like, you know, I have an assumption about this person. I just don't tell anyone, but I feel like girls are much faster to, to say that or to say what it is. And often I feel like it's just like so ruthless that once it comes out, it's like, it can really hurt someone. Yeah. I think, um, for girls, what they're insecure about reflects on how they see other people. And because girls, I think girls are way more insecure at that young age where, you know, things are changing, um, they're growing up and like there's different relationships. I feel like there's a lot of insecurity that builds up and it kind of reflects on how they interact with people and how they see other people, um, whether that's like physical features or like um, personality features uh, that definitely is correlated. And I do see it. And I think um, what you're saying with like two guys versus two girls, um, I've definitely seen that too. And I think that's why I get along with guys way easier than with girls, because I think they take away that, that judgment or they have less of that judgment and they are more open-minded, I would like to say, uh, in terms of just talking to someone with feel, no like you know like ulterior motives i feel like naturally and it's kind of like this is like i'm not trying to start a history lesson on like sociology or whatever mm-hmm. but i remember that like in the past like guys are supposed to be seen as like strong whatever don't show your emotion especially like chinese culture like you said like don't show it because you're seen as weak right and i feel like guys naturally kind of hone that even when it's changing like you know, social norms are like kind of changing, whatever, but I feel like we're still at that point where a lot of guys are afraid to be seen weak. So we often don't talk about the deep stuff. And I feel like that's mm-hmm. like a comfort thing for you because you don't like opening. I don't like opening. So most of the people I hang out with are often guys. I have no issue hanging out with girls or other people. Why not? Right. Like I have no preference, but I feel like me hanging out with the guys or whatever like I don't have to get to that point where it's like really dig deep and make myself feel uncomfortable and get to that point where mm-hmm. if you're with girls like when we do like the games with Jana like you know mm-hmm. shout out Jana um mm-hmm. she digs right or not digs not yeah. dig sounds bad but like when she's trying to get us to open up and slowly like get a little bit more comfortable playing like we're not really strangers she'll ask me a question I'll provide like a basic answer she'll ask like a uh, a next question right all based off that so just keep asking questions and then gets deeper 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 where when most of the guys play we ask a question we get the answer and we're like okay and we relate to it in our head and we think of other questions to ask or we we think of connections and or think of our own way of how it affects us but we don't vocalize it or we don't ask a, a continuing question where that provides that comfort level that like that hominess where like you feel like you could just be yourself and not have to worry because mm-hmm. often guys will forget about it too. It's pretty bad, whatever. But um, mm-hmm. it's like, 
you get to that, that comfort point where you don't have to worry or stress about how their view is going to change or what's going to happen. That's, that's like what I think. Mm -hmm. Like, I think with that game, um, there's, there's like surface level of getting to know your answer. And then there's like the, a little bit deeper, but then there's like the real raw truth. And I think most of the time people don't get to that, that third level of getting to actually know what happened. Um, And it's so hard to kind of explain the context when they don't know your, your history or the actual situation. And I think that is another factor that kind of lets me answer with a more surface level answer. And I think for maybe guys, I think they, they kind of get the answer and then they, they connect and then they kind of move on. Whereas girls, they want to just kind of dig more, uh, want to know your true feelings and kind of get to know you on that raw level. Yeah, no, I totally agree with it. What you're saying there a hundred percent. And I think it's not even that sometimes it's not bad intentions, obviously, like most of the time it's not bad intentions mm-hmm. of girls trying to understand more, but I feel like to grab, they want to grasp the whole thing to yeah. make that connection mm-hmm. where guys, we often do it in our head or not even just guys, like a lot of people like us just kind of do it in our head and we think about it and we're like, yeah, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And we, we kind of make the connection. We think of ways this can go, but it's not that mm-hmm. we're too scared. It's just like, we don't want to open it because then I, like when I try digging on someone else, I feel like it's that treat people the, the way you'd want to be treated. I'm either afraid yeah. they're going to mm-hmm. try and dig into me or that I'm going to make them feel the way I would feel, feel that uncomfort. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But I mean, for me, like this kind of stemmed, I feel like again, in elementary school, grade four, grade five, you know, taking the hits, the burns from your buddies or other people, bullies. And when I had my knee surgery though, uh, like in grade eight, going towards grade nine, at that point where I couldn't do much, I couldn't see many people all the time. I couldn't do the same things and kind of being out of the stories or out of like going out with them here, like hanging out with my friends, they're hanging out, going, doing this, biking around, they're going to Wonderland, whatever. Right. I can, I can do it because obviously like physically enable at that point and not experiencing all of that stuff and hearing them talk about it. And obviously like on the inside, I'm like, it's FOMO, right? Yeah. At the same time. Mm -hmm. And even back then, like when it wasn't like a thing, it still was there and like not experiencing all that. And obviously they did their best to keep me in the loop. They'd hang out with me. They come sleep over at my place, but being left out really hurt me. And that's Mm -hmm. when I like, I think I really started to build walls because I wouldn't tell people like I was upset, especially like I I wouldn't tell people I was upset. I couldn't go do things. I couldn't tell them I was sad that I didn't get to see my friends or that they got to go do this or that even like walking home with my friends, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that for a year. Right. And that's like some of the greatest conversations we would have, the stupidest conversations that just make me laugh the whole time. Right. I missed out on that. And over time, it just like got worse and worse and worse. And then high school hit and that all these new people, why put myself in that position mm-hmm. that kicked in and same thing happened. Once I got to university, 
right? And in high school, your friends change a bit. I feel like from grade nine to grade 12, like your friends change and especially the people you're closest with, like Mm -hmm. massive difference. And then you get to university and it's the same thing. Like I talked to some people first semester or first year, but now the people I talk to are like the people I've talked to consistently and are people I can trust. Like, I'll be honest, you're one of the only people who I tell everything to. And I I figure you kind of know that already, but like, I don't tell a lot of people anything beyond surface. And you're one of like mm-hmm. the few people I can, because I feel like we have that, that similar aspect. And we both have that like weird trust mm-hmm. and that we can kind of like be able to tell each other things and like not yeah. have to worry because mm-hmm. like, I know if I tell you something, yeah, you're going to make fun of me for it together, mm-hmm. but I don't have to worry. Or you tell me something yeah. I'm going to make fun of you for mm-hmm. it, but you don't have to worry. And it's like mm-hmm. that point where now I guess I'm opening a little bit right? Or we're, we're beginning to slowly, but mm-hmm. it's still like, it's a huge thing to, to get over. Yeah. Yeah. And making that jump is scary. Mm-hmm. And I think like university second year, I would say was the second time I opened up and like fully trusted someone in my life. And like the first person being Kelvin, who I met in like grade 10, and I can do anything in front of him. Like I can fart. Shout out Sally's boyfriend, Kelvin. (laughs) But in second year was when I I made like my first friendship connection. And I think since then, my, my point of view and my mindset shifted to becoming more open. And like you said, like treat others the way you want to be treated. I think that has played a big role because I want to make people feel comfortable. I want, usually I like the situations to stay light, casual. And like, I I don't like making things tense or like making people feel uncomfortable where they don't want to share or trust me. And I think that's how I approach my friendships. And most of the time, because it's so casual, people don't respond um, as emotionally. And we mm. never just get past that emotional space. Um, and I think that people who do respond are the people who I truly value and like truly trust and will be in my life for a long time. Like my uh, two of my best friends who I talk to like on a weekly basis. It's like those friendships that you can you can catch up with after a month of not talking and, and still have a good conversation still like let them know what's going on and like tell them about your your emotions and how you're feeling um but like let's say TRSS exec team I think we've grown so close to each other but at the same time we're not there's still so much so much to go still yeah yeah and like I think as a team, we work so well together. We honestly are the perfect team. Uh, and I think we have that really light, casual friendship where we go do things. We have great, great times, fun memories. But I feel like we also don't know our, our deeper emotions and our, and our history and our experiences because we, we kind of focus on the lighter side the happier Mm. side um and things like that and i feel like a part of me 
because I have trouble opening up, I, I also have trouble reacting and accepting very hard hitting and emotional pieces. And playing We Are Not Really Strangers, going through Cam H, uh, One Brave Week, hit me very hard because I was listening to very emotional stories that I could definitely relate to. But because I didn't really face it myself or talk to someone about it myself, I was seeing those emotions and those experiences in a new light. And it was hard for me to digest so many difficult emotions and difficult topics. Yeah, no, I, I really like what you were going on there. And that's something, like I said before, like a lot of people see me as cold now. And I think the harsh reality is I put up so many walls of me not being able to share my emotions or show my emotions that now when someone tells me really happy news, like, you know, about me, about them, I am in the inside. Like, I'm so happy for you. I'm happy for me. You know, I just can't show it or something really bad happens, right? Like super, super, super sad moment. And I, I won't cry. Like I've cried once in like five years and I won't be able to share or I'll just kind of go quiet and I, I get distant when it comes to those points. And I have no issue condoling someone or someone with crying or someone with being sad or being happy or, you know, being happy for yourself. But it's just so hard for me to explain my true feeling at that point or show my feeling at that point. And like what you said with Cam H and stuff like that, like one brave week, we hear so many deep stories. Like in one day we heard two extremely deep stories of people sharing their experiences. So for those of you who don't know, Cam H is something we run with TRSS. Uh, we did one brave week this year. It was actually from April 6th to 8th. And on this April 6th of that first day, we heard from someone on our TRSS team. So Tamara, the lovely Tamara, shout out Tamara and uh, Chris Hocus. And they have two very deep stories about their lives. And hearing those, I have, you know, I can understand everything and I feel horrible for the things they've had to go through. Right. And I would give them a hug if I could right now, but you know, COVID, but a lot of people will cry. A lot of people will be sad. I get to a point and it, this is horrible where I make on, like I make jokes to make myself feel more comfortable in that moment. And it's like, it's not that I'm making the jokes to make fun of the moment or, you know, not to avoid it or it's kind of to avoid it, but it's to avoid myself feeling uncomfortable. And I'll only like, I'm not going to say them out loud or whatever to distract everyone. But I mean, like Kevin, he knew that I, I told our team beforehand, I was like, I'm going to be uncomfortable. So you don't want me kind of like taking on these sessions like I may, because I'm going to, I'm not going to be at a point where I can talk and share and, and whatnot. And Kevin was someone who I could message during that when I like, you know, had the joke and I wanted to say, and like, whatever I could send it to him. And, you know, he'd be like, cool with it. Cause he's a little bit at that point, I feel like with me, I'm not going to speak for him, but I feel like he's a little bit not as open to sharing and me and him kind of doing that with each other made us both feel more comfortable. Like we listened to everything, but getting to that point where we aren't seen as cold or we aren't seen as being rude or distracting. Like, it's not that we're trying to do that, or mm -hmm. it's not that we don't feel happy for you. We don't feel sad for you. We don't, it's just, 
we don't like, I, I don't like when people feel bad for me at all. Right. Because for me, it's a point where I just have to get my shit together, get it done. Right. Control what I can control. But it's, I come off in a way where it's seen as if there's no emotion to it. There's no love. There's no hate. There's no Mm -hmm. sadness. There's no nothing. It's just seen as boom. I don't show stress that often. If I do, it's, I'm either just frustrated and you'll be able to see that, or I'm kind of quiet or distant, or I try to avoid it at all costs. Right. And just pretend like nothing's happening. And Mm -hmm. those moments make it extremely, extremely hard. And I feel like it's kind of gotten worse for me a little bit. Like it's gotten worse over time. And now slowly I'm trying to understand it more, but it's not at that point where I am comfortable, right? Yeah. There's certain people I have no issue with and I, I trust and I'm not going to go full depth, but I'll, I'm starting to like with Jana, with you, people from the team, when we're on calls and when we're playing, when we're not really strangers, like I'm starting to get to that point, but I'm not nearly there and it's gotten it got really bad especially like i feel like last year in the beginning of covid and even some experiences from last year like it got really bad building those walls even further and now it's like starting to get a little bit better i think for me i feel like it's a kind of the same state same level maybe a little bit better um only because i'm such a experienced kind of person like i i prefer talking to people in person or doing things in person. And like, that's when I really get to connect with people. And that's when I really get to kind of learn about them, um, express my true emotions because on call, you can only do so much. Um, FaceTime is slightly better, but I think the one positive thing from COVID is like having these regular check-ins and like making it consistent and making sure you're there for your friends because you can't see how they're feeling personally for me having these like discord calls have been so comforting and like i think the i guess the social aspect that i've been missing um it may not we may not talk about deep topics all the time which personally i like yeah me too (laughs) Uh, but i think i value these these casual conversations as much as the emotional ones you know, and with the close people in my life, um, being able to share it or like connect with them or like, you know, catch up with them on a regular basis is, is more, I guess, more consistent versus in person because there's so many other factors like commuting we live on the opposite end of the gta whereas like online we can just call each other whenever um but i think a lot of people have experienced a lot of emotions throughout covid there's been breakups there's there have been relationship issues um there has just been like stress Mm -hmm. and like unmotivated like feelings and i think with these people in my life that are closer i have been able to open up with them and kind of uh understand their side understand my side but i think with with trss they kind of see the the other side of me which is just like the social the funny the one that cracks the jokes you know um 
<laughs> and I think I, I kind of want to keep that image within TRSS. And personally, I'm scared of like how people perceive me. Mm-hmm. And that's why I want to, if I'm in a good position, if I think I'm in a good position, I'll, I, I'd like to stay in that position, right? Yeah. No, for those of you who don't know, I'm not going to say it, but Sally, we have a joke about Sally, but no. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. It's a joke, but it's hilarious. If you know, you know, but I like what you say, especially when you say check-ins, we don't mean like mental health check-ins. Sally, today, how are you feeling? Like, no, we don't mean that. We mean like check-in as in like, get on a call, have some fun, have drinks, just chill, play some games, yeah. literally mm-hmm. just hang out. And I feel like that's something if we did last semester, not only would our team be even closer mm-hmm. than like it is, maybe we'd, you know, I don't know how it would be now. I feel like it would even just make a difference in how we were feeling. I mean, at that point, like COVID was not as bad or there was lockdowns in and out, but it was not as bad. And I feel like it's a little bit worse right now mm-hmm. for everyone. But it doesn't have to be like so deep, right? Like hopping on a call and we're just sitting there like literally talking about the most random things on the planet. Mm-hmm. Like we were debating or talking about Fast and Furious movies yesterday yeah. for like a good like 25 minutes while me and Madison were playing a game of chess online mm-hmm. and I beat him two games in a row. Sorry, Madison. But mm-hmm. like you don't have to always be digging or like trying to open up just like having those points where we can have fun together. Like it's great. Right. The one thing you talk about, like maintaining image. And I feel like that has to do with a lot of life, especially with like family and everything like that. Like you always want to have like this specific image. And for me, I feel like my parents have, and my family have like very high expectations on me. And it's definitely played into what I do, people I'm with, like some and most in positive impact, but my inability to open up has put a tremendous strain on my relationship with, I would say mostly my parents, for sure. I mean, I was never, me and my sister were never close. Then we got a little close when she kind of went away to school. And now I feel like because she's her boyfriend, they're busy, they're doing things. I don't, I'm not at a point where I can like, always turn to her like obviously if I really need to I could but I don't I we're not as close obviously like she knows that I know it like we're kind of comfortable with it but my family like my parents specifically like I don't tell them anything I tell them like basic good stuff but I don't and it's not that I don't want to I just feel like if I tell them that most of the time they're going to turn it on. It's going to turn into an argument or it's going to turn into them judging me or them saying, you know, what about this? Like I always see myself, most people know, like I always wanted to go to law school. My favorite show is suits. I always wanted to become a corporate lawyer. Like I still would think about it, but law school, I don't know, whatever. And now I'm like at a point where I may be, maybe not, who knows what will happen if I'll be able to get in. And when I told my mom after like, 12 or 13 years of them thinking I wanted to go to law school that I might not go to law school. My dad asked me like three days later, when did this happen? Like, when did you decide you don't want to go? Like what happened? Right. And I was just like, Oh, like, I don't know that you didn't say anything. I was like, 
right? Like that's something easy that I could tell my parents, but I was just so scared to tell them. And it, guess what? It turned into an argument, right? Yeah. And it's like now whenever something happens, whether it be like a relationship with, you know, a partner or friends or anything, like I, I just can't tell them. I feel like, I feel I probably mm-hmm. can like, but it's like, I'm no longer as close with my parents as I used to be. And it's mm-hmm. definitely put a strain on the relationship mm-hmm. and what can be said and what can happen and understanding of both sides. Like I know people who have great yeah. relationships with their parents and they tell them anything and everything. I'm just not one of those people. Mm-hmm. I think what I learned was that like the support from your parents is different from support from your friends. And I think friends are way more open-minded, I'd say. And like, they respect your boundaries, they respect your decisions. Whereas like parents, they kind of see it on a different perspective. They raised you, they have high expectations. They want you to be successful. And I think they have different ways of supporting you. And that type of support isn't always loving or words of encouragement most of the time it's acts of service or like um phrases that are negative but they see it as motivation Mm -hmm. um I think within like our generation we've kind of or even like within like my culture and my the generation in this culture they've realized that for for like Asian parents, they they don't do the traditional support or loving route or the traditional or traditional love and support actions and words of affirmation. And I think that makes it harder for them to to kind of let them in and to let them know what's going on in their life. Cause half of the time their philosophy and their experiences um overcome the logical side of yeah. things and the way that you see it if i can say something i feel like their thing is they see us our generation is soft and i agree like our generation has become soft mm-hmm. some aspects i'm okay with some i highly disagree with mm-hmm. things like participation awards right and kind of like teaching kids that you know, that lesson's there that you work hard, you get what you, you get what you work for essentially. But Mm -hmm. our generation has come to that point where they don't necessarily see it as that, where they see it as they're going to get it anyways, right? They're going to get something anyways out of it. And I think like, Mm -hmm. that's what our parents are trying to reinstall, but they're doing it in an incorrect way for now. They're doing it how their parents did, or maybe not Mm -hmm. to that extreme, or maybe slightly different, but pretty much the same. And our generation is not built for that and they're condemning this on us, but it just mm-hmm. doesn't, it doesn't work. Right. It's like taking two plugs and trying to plug one into the, like you can't, doesn't, it's not going to yeah. happen. Never going to work. Right. It's taking two magnets of the same, like positive or whatever. It's not going to work. Mm-hmm. It's never going to stick. And I think they're so focused on trying to do it how it used to be or how it yeah. happened to them that they don't mm-hmm. understand and they, they can't bring themselves to understand it's not necessarily just their fault, right? It's our fault. Mm-hmm. It's their fault. It's everyone's fault. And it's the world's fault, but it's just not at a point where it's comfort or where it's connectable or where it's actually going to work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think 
I guess the traditional ways, a lot of parents focus on discipline. They focus on respect. They focus on having no emotions because those emotions never don't exist. (laughs) But nowadays people are more open to sharing or more open to, to listening and being flexible on your, your mindsets. And I think that's where the difference is and the disconnectedness um, happens. And that's where your child, that's where children and parents start having that, that over there, that distance and that relationship starts growing because it always comes to the point where, Oh, they don't understand. So I'm not just going to tell them. And then ultimately that comes to like, I'm not, it goes to a point where I just don't tell them anything. Yeah. And I think that's where I am. That's where a lot of people are. And I see so many great relationships, family relationships. And I think that also affects how I want to raise my family in the future. Um, Because I don't want what happened to me to happen to my children, I guess, or my family, because deep down, I want to be that open. I want to, to have, be vulnerable and have these emotions, but I just don't feel safe enough to do that. Yeah. Right now. No, I totally, I totally get that. I mean, I feel like that's everything right now. And COVID definitely plays a part of like me being stuck at home with my mom all day puts another strain on it. Right. Like sometimes I hear her voice and it just like already I'm like in a bad mood because I'm like, I've heard it all day and now it's again. Right. And it's not her fault for that. Right. But it's, it's boundaries and like understanding when and where, and you know, sometimes she, they don't understand, like they know the stuff we do, right. They know like, Oh, we do stuff for TRSS but they don't know the extent of things you do. They know you, you know, I do competitions. They don't know the extent to it. They know I do class. They don't know the extent to it. And it's like understanding that when I leave my work spot, so my desk and I go to eat or I go to do something, that is my break. And when you come at me with all this stuff during my break, it's not going to work. It's just going to frustrate me, right? Like understanding like things like that where, there's a time, there's a place. And right now is not the time It's mm-hmm. difficult for them to understand because they don't like, they don't experience the stuff we do now because it's very different from what they did it and is. from what happened. And now that they're trying to instill the same things, it's two very contrasting views on everything. And I know something we've talked about before and you, you told me about was explaining like a f- your fitness journey to your family mm-hmm. and getting to that point where, they don't understand everything of it. And I, I, I'd love to hear a little bit more and for you to explain for everyone else. I know I know a little bit, but I know most people don't. And I really appreciate you sharing about this. So my fitness journey kind of started in grade nine. Um, the transition. So when I was a kid, I was always a little chunkier. When I hit puberty around like grade six, seven or eight, I grew taller and I leaned out and then once I hit high school that's when the junk food the food for convenience started hitting and like every over like the next year two years of high school 
I gained weight gradually. And then in grade 11, grade 10, that's when I officially started my working out consistently, going to the gym, going running, and like really focusing on like weight training. Um, And I think at that point, because life was different than what it is now, where my life was consistently busy, I was always going out, I was hanging out with friends, I was going to school, I wasn't at home most of the day. And I never really faced my family that much during those times. And they kind of respected what I did and my what I did with like fitness. Um, But once I hit university grade, uh, maybe like second year, third year, that's when my fitness journey kind of, um, I guess, started reversing, whereas I started getting gaining weight, but also like, I was still working out here and there. But because university is so different from high school, we have student groups, we have events, case competitions, we have exams, midterms, and things are so much more fast paced and busy. It's hard to keep a consistent schedule. So in great in my second year, I think that was my peak. I was in like the best shape of my life. I was living a really balanced lifestyle where I still indulged in things that I wanted, but I was still eating like healthy meals, going to the gym, doing cardio. So I was still maintaining everything. But once uh, I joined TRSS and I was also on WIDM, things sped up so quickly. Third, third, fourth year hit so hard because things just the workload just ramped up and my consistency went down the drain I would say kind of and like my food choices were a little less healthy than I desired and then when COVID hit that that really put an additional strain yeah it it made it so much worse the gyms were closed Um, I was at home all the time I couldn't, I couldn't like, I had to face my parents every single day. Um, I didn't feel safe enough to, or comfortable enough to work out in my house or like at home. Um, And I think because my, my consistency and my motivation was so low and affected, it affected my, my eating habits. And like, I was sitting at a computer for eight hours a day. And obviously that takes a toll on your body. And throughout COVID or throughout this quarantine, all I've been hearing every single day, what has been, oh, you've gained weight. Oh, why aren't you doing exercise every day? Oh, why aren't you portioning your food? Why are you eating so much? Or like, why are you eating this? Why are you eating that? And like basically judging and nitpicking everything I do. And I think that's why I didn't feel safe in my own house. And that's why it, motivated me further not to not to work out or go on a walk or go outside or work out because I felt so much judgment from the people that's supposed to be supporting you and and like slowly I've been kind of building my motivation back building my 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 drive but it's been so hard because my environment affects my mood a lot like the people that surround me um and how they act reflect on how I act and if if I'm around people who are sad who are you know not in the mood I'll I'll get sad 
And that's why I like PRs as people because they're always cheery. They always make jokes and they're always happy. So I'm always in a happy mood. But I think my current environment has definitely impacted my journey. <laughs> and because I felt so unsafe and so, I would say like, maybe like, I don't know about ashamed or like maybe embarrassed or like just not happy with the situation. I kind of closed myself off even more to people about my finished journey and what, what's been going on right now, because I've just been just not confident at all. Yeah, no, it's such a shitty spot to be in. I mean, I was the same thing. Like it was a little bit bigger than most people. When I got my knee surgery, it got even worse like got really big high school was big kid everyone knows the story i was in the best shape of my life or best shape of my life first semester of last year towards the end of it beginning of second semester COVID hits and you know right at the beginning i was just like i'm gonna eat this i'm gonna eat that i'm hungry doing some work let me go get a snack you know eating everything and anything kind of realized it at a point and was like whoa you know, relax a bit. Summer wasn't too bad. Was working a lot. Playing golf wasn't too bad. And then it was getting worse when the gym started closing everything. And, you know, you get to a point and now it's like my eating is horrible. And I'm afraid like if I, you know, go get a snack, you know, my parents are going to see it. They're going to, they're going to think something of me. Cause like they're the living room right near the kitchen. They're going to, they're going to think something they're, They might not say it. They might say it, but the fact of them saying it at all, or thinking it, you know, it, it scares you, right? Or now I eat like one, two meals a day because of the fact that I'm trying to avoid my family as much as possible to avoid all argument or all opening up or all anything pretty much. And then me not eating enough anyways, right? Like my eating habits horrible. And now I'm, I was trying to get to a point to watch what I was eating again, you know, try to get back to everything because the gyms are opening up. Everything shuts down again. It's going to be shut down for God knows how long. Why keep putting myself through that? And yesterday I kind of like got fed up to a point where I was, my parents ordered pizza. You know, I'm sitting there eating chicken and rice and I'm like, screw it. I'm eating pizza. Like I ate some pizza because I'm like, there's no point anymore. And then like my parents say something. Cause they're like, I thought you were like watching what you're eating. I'm like, I'm going to explode. Like I know I'm in my head. I'm about to explode, but I'm not going to do it because I don't want to be down here for longer than 10 minutes. So I'm just going to keep it in here and not say anything, get as fast upstairs as I can. And then just go in my room and be like, you know, yeah. be at that point where you're ready to explode working out at home. I don't know how you do it now. Like you have your setup in your garage. Mm -hmm. I'll never be able to do that. I tried working out at home. First of all, working out at home sucks. Like compared to a gym, going to a gym, like the motivation, I don't know what it is, but like needing to go there is a purpose. Like I'm going there with a purpose. I'm going there with a reason mm -hmm. I'm at home in my basement. No, doesn't, doesn't work the same. Right. I think it's just like, there's no competitive environment, you know, like yeah. you're basically being compete, like competing with yourself in your mind. And that's hard because there's no, there's no one else around you to kind of motivate you to take shorter breaks, motivate you to, hit that extra rep, motivate you to hit higher weights. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a completely different environment. In the people who are able to do it at home, I applaud you. I know some people who do work out in the garage and like 
two people specifically that I've known from my past. I see it on Instagram and they work hard in their garage, two brothers. Mm -hmm. They do it together though. That's the thing, right? They still have someone there, right? Like I'm working out of my basement. My dad comes downstairs to go get a drink. Like, no, like it does not work the same. It's not like I can't turn to the person next to me, see them putting in, you know, just as much or more effort than I am. That pushes Mm -hmm. me to want to do more. Right. And seeing those little changes when you're going to the gym every time too, because you're like, I did this Mm -hmm. exact machine or I did this exact exercise last week. And, you know, maybe I only moved the 75 dumbbells today. I hit eighties last week. I was curling 25s. felt kind of heavy this week. I hit thirties, you know, like those little things that, you know, and you're like the people around me, you know, damn, they probably think I'm huge. Like you think it in your head, even though like, you're not, you know, I'm moving baby weight compared to them, but it's just like, you're like, it's such, it's just that positive in your mind is so different. Like Mm -hmm. you go to the gym and, I don't know about some gyms, but all the ones I've gone to are usually pretty positive. The people there are usually pretty nice. Maybe you come across a couple, like, you know, not so nice people, but majority of the time it's really good people. And you, you know, you all put a positive impact on each other, that positive mindset and help each other. And then it's just like constant motivation and pushing. And then every time you go to the gym, you're like, this is a positive place. Like your mind already put that there. That's a positive place. And being at home, like I already have this negative look at it and yeah. it just makes it even worse because for me the gym is like a stress reliever I think that's a lot of, like the gym is that place for a lot of people and when your home is a stressful place you can't go to the gym to release stress if you're in the stress yeah. you know yeah and when you're working out I feel like I like I don't feel I don't feel comfortable in my house because I already know that there's judgment. Yeah. And I know like in at a gym there might be judgment, but you never notice it. It's just whatever. It's just strangers. But you know mm-hmm. like this is your family. So you know it's it, it holds a different different type of importance in your mind mm-hmm. and it affects you even more and like affects your mood and your motivation way more uh because it's your parents yeah you don't want them to think of you in a negative way or they you don't want to make them feel like you're disappointing them but they don't understand like everyone's fitness journey is different everyone goes through different phases everyone has different struggles whether it's mental or health and specifically with food they don't understand the rule of moderation mm-hmm. like yeah you can have a slice of pizza now and then like it's not going to impact your your calorie yeah. intake you know it and they think that every little thing that you do will make the biggest impact but in reality it it, it doesn't and at and i don't think at the i don't think they understand like at the end of the day it's how you feel about yourself and not how they feel about you. Yeah. And that's the hard part. And I think because of that, because of all the judgment and all the unsaid words that my family holds with me, I just assume the same thing with the people outside of the house, like my friends and family. And I feel like I kind of just think that they're thinking the same things as my family. And that's why I feel more like guarded off 
or we like care I so much topics. about yeah. how much our parents would see us or mm-hmm. how they would react to something you would say that it just carries over into mm-hmm. every other relationship. And it's like, you don't mean to put such a stress on it, right? Or you don't even know you're doing it. And then when you realize it, it's so hard to reverse it because there's so much that was left from before that was never said, never done, never finished, never understood. And trying to move that over is so, so, so difficult. I mean, we've been going for a little while here. So I thank you very much for every, every, everything you said today, every piece of input, you know, being there for me a lot. But I have one final question. Easier one. What is it? Mm -hmm. So someone named Sukman, who I've been messaging a few times. He goes to Ryerson. Actually, he's in GMS, second year, Mm -hmm. same thing as me. Uh, Actually replied to my story the other day. I put on Instagram saying things you want to talk about. His response was life lessons, right? Okay. If you could think of anything, someone's said to you something you've experienced the most crucial or most satisfying piece of advice that someone has ever told you or a life lesson that you have experienced, what would it be? I'll tell you mine first. So in high school, uh, elementary school, I was always a pretty outgoing person, but someone actually told me, a teacher, when I was graduating high school, going to university. So my grade 12 or grade 11 English teacher, Mr. Wang, uh, told me, Never be afraid of being the loudest in the room, whether that be with your voice, your actions, or something you're trying, you know, trying to create a positive impact. Never be afraid of being the loudest person in the room, no matter what other people are going to think. Because you're, as long as you're doing positive things or you're trying to create an impact or trying to motivate people or, you know, even showcase yourself, don't be cocky about it but never be afraid to be the loudest in the room and share your voice because your voice is just as important as everyone else's and create can create an impact that you may not even know. I think for me, one of my life lessons that I've experienced is to always put yourself out there because you'll never know who you'll get to meet and the experiences that you'll get to experience I think it's because when I was a kid I was so closed off and I was always the type of person to do things alone or do things in private or like you know go through things myself I never got a chance to put myself out there and to learn from other people and I think as I was growing up in high school and in university I did that way more And I think that opened up so many relationships and connections and experiences. Like, I think the first time in university I did that was when I joined WIDM. I am not in BTM. And I kind of put, I stuck my hand out there. And I got the opportunity to meet a group of amazing people. And we've shared so many great memories and are still connected today and they are the group of people that was part of my journey of opening up a little more 
And I think being able to put yourself out there and be being able to to be vulnerable, to be able to, I guess, risk yourself, put yourself at risk, helps you grow and learn because whether you fall, whether you succeed, you're still learning something, you're still experiencing something instead of, I guess, doing the norm, doing everything yourself. I think building that community is really important. And for me, I think being able to take the risk has really built up my community and my connections. I feel like it's that, that no regrets, do everything you can, Mm -hmm. no matter if you know, it's going to maybe bad. Don't be scared. Like take those chances every opportunity that comes your way within reason, obviously, mm-hmm. but take those chances, put yourself in there because, you know, there's a chance you get burned, but there's a chance. I like to say live with no regrets or not have regrets to say, mm-hmm. but yeah, I may regret a thing or something I've done, but ultimately I learned something from it. Right. Yeah. So if you do everything and anything you can and you get burned a few times along the way, it was an experience, but it was a lesson you learned. And it will help you later on. Anyways, again, thank you, Sally Lamb, for joining us today. I am extremely, extremely thankful. I mean, this is something for us that's quite difficult to do. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, you may not think it, but in the inside, like I can speak for me and Sally, like it's difficult to say the things we've said and to understand this and to kind of share it. To, um, and this kind of platform as well, like not even just among each other. I mean, it's a conversation, but it's difficult to do. And I really, really appreciate you coming on. Thank you for having me, Adam. I, I can say all of our conversations have been amazing, whether they're of me roasting you or of me talking about your past. I can say I've definitely grown closer to you and like got to know you better um and like maybe we'll reach the point where we get to see like the true our true selves and like get to know each other on a like a really deep level um but it's been a great time only time will tell you never know anyways thank you once again shout out to anyone who's gotten to this point i know this is gonna be probably another long one But I will see you in the next one.